0: We'll
1: do it live. It. There he is, Renee Perez, guitarist of Flash Parade. You've been in the band for 3 decades now. Yeah. <laughs> which is just amazing. Um, are you surprised that that we're sitting here, you know, 31 years since I actually saw your band and you play? And we're talking about it today. Is that is that kind of like surreal to you?
0: Yeah, it really is, cause you know I don't really think about it too much. But then when I see like the updates on how many people are listening listening online and still actually care about it this far down the road, you know, it's it's pretty cool, you know. But it's it's still like very underground though, compared to a lot of the other grind bands out there
1: it is um uh, I would say it's different um there's something about certain bands I would consider flash parade one of those bands that um there's you know yeah there's there's numbers but there's enough there um and enough people appreciate what you guys are doing back in the early 90s and what I, I think, what we're seeing today as a resurgence of that sound that you guys are doing 30 years ago. And I do want to talk about that state of music, kind of where we came from, take a journey through it, your, your journey, flesh parades journey through it all. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and I really want to center it around the sound of grind core because, um, you know, everyone says metal and metal. We're all under that umbrella of metal, you know, starting with black Sabbath, if you want to start there, but there's so many genres that have spr- branched out and even grindcore, which the first time I heard the term grindcore was probably from Flesh Parade and Paralysis, the New Orleans band Paralysis, because Paralysis was on grindcore records. So there was this yeah. term called grindcore. And um, how did did you hear of grindcore and how would you describe it? And and, and I want to ask you, who do you think is the first grindcore band?
0: I mean, that's hard to say. A lot of people say it's napalm, but mm-hmm. um then then some people say Repulsion and you know other bands from the 80s that actually did that stuff way beforehand. Um that actually had a death metal sound way before death metal got popular in the early nineties mm-hmm. or late eighties, early nineties. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean I got into Uh, metal at an er early age and i I say metal just as a broad term because a lot of people don't understand what grindcore is when when you have to explain to them what you play Mm -hmm. but i got into um thrash metal first Mm -hmm. because of metallica Mm -hmm. and then um in the 90s i started hanging out with all my friends that became Uh, You know, one of our first fans called Severance and then, you know, two of us left and joined Flush Parade. And that was that me and and Jason. So um, before we did all that, um, you know, I, I started listening to death metal a lot because I heard it and it was heavier. It was different and i got fixated on it so i kept listening to that and
1: then um, can i ask you real quick what was your first death metal band experience i'm so interested in people's journeys to this style of music we like so much today so that's why i ask
0: yeah i'm trying to think like what or
1: that you can remember it doesn't have to be the first but that made an impression of like okay this is death metal and i like this
0: yeah well the first two that I, that come to mind that I heard and I, I really liked and it was so new to me it was obituary mm. and and death okay so, yeah so those grew on me really fast and and then from there um, I heard about Napalm and I put it on and finally got a you know copy of, of From Enslavement that's actually my actually I got a copy of Scum mm-hmm. that was my first CD. Cause mm-hmm. I was still using tapes and then CDs were starting to come out and get popular. So oh, yeah. I got stuck. and I remember, um, that and I believe I, I had the tape of, yeah, I had the tape for from enslavement cause it was given to me mm-hmm. and I was listening, listening from enslavement more at first, cause I was really trying to figure out what the hell was going on and all of that noise that I was hearing. I had no idea what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the bass was distorted and loud, and the guitars were kind of um, more on the trebly side, and it was kind of hard to hear what the music was doing, like the melody. And the screaming and and all that didn't bother me, mm-hmm. and and the drumming style I had to get used to, so I don't know. I put it down for a little bit, and then um, one day I decided to listen on headphones, mm. and I got fixated on the bass and i could hear every note that the bass guitar was doing cuz i just listened to that and you can hear the you can hear the movement and hear those notes under all of that noise that's mm-hmm. happening at the same time mm-hmm. and and that got me interested so then i was like oh you know I picked up my guitar and figured out where, what they were tuned to i can't remember what it was but way higher than what we do um and i f- i used those notes that you know i i heard and i found them around the fretboard and then i started playing the bar chords and i'm like oh that's the fucking riff that's what's behind all that mm-hmm. and then it became so much clearer at that point and uh and then i got hooked on it mm-hmm. and the death metal stuff was cool we were doing that listening to that for a while and then that came along and we wanted to go further into the extreme side like death metal wasn't enough anymore
1: Mm -hmm. yeah interesting interesting
0: that's how worthless came about and uh the good stuff demo and the seven inch that uh, is on there as well
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um i have a very similar story um Believe it or not, I think the first time I heard death metal and a death metal vocal was by this band called Brutal Truth. Extreme oh, okay. Con- extreme conditions demand extreme responses. Yeah, I love that one. This to this day is my favorite. Like I consider this grindcore. You know, yeah, like, it's like
0: really fast, dude. But the production on it is like really good and it's heavy and Mm -hmm. you hear everything that's going on i like that
1: i do too um and it's the first time i heard like kevin sharp from brutal truth i I love the vocals it's the first time i heard the roar you know like and believe it or not um ben from paralysis and goat whore yeah and so green he actually you know he he we knew each other and he could tell that I was into heavier stuff, but I wasn't, I was getting to know him and what he was doing lately. And he was in paralysis and he knew I liked things like faith. No more. Um, Pantera. But, but I, I guess he just did it as a shot in the dark and he made a cassette of this brutal truth, extreme conditions and man, extreme responses.
0: Yeah. He was big on giving people cassettes. Of- yeah.
1: Yeah. They he made, made- Yeah. That's funny. That is so funny. Yeah, everybody and he, knew
0: his handwriting. What's that? Everybody knew his handwriting too, because he'd write it, you know, all on the card for you.
1: Yeah, I actually remember it. I remember his handwriting. I remember it was a Memorex. You remember the cassettes? It was. It was that uh, you, you could tape. Oh, it was yeah. a Memorex. It had a yellow decal. one, when like bright colors were in. <laughs> but um, I I I I lived in Metairie, and I drive to the University of New Orleans. For art classes and stuff and um oh that's where i was going at the time but i would listen to it there and back and i just found myself keep going to it then i figured out the patterns i figured out where things were super fast and blast beats and then where things slowed down i really liked the slow parts but yeah. the fast parts made the slow parts even better you know right. And, right. and and that like to me, that's what hooked me
0: brian beats you know have been done in jazz for a long time heard that and todd loves playing jazz too so yeah. um he incorporates all this stuff into flesh parade that most people wouldn't even expect like just listen on some of the songs and he's on the ride and he's just ding 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 you know little yep. things like that and um and then just the way that he approaches Phils, too, and mm-hmm. and the feel that he has for for the parts.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned jazz because um, I interviewed Randy Jackson from Zebra. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of Zebra. I have the Zebra records back here. Um, kind of yeah, grew I up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, kinda, I got all three of them. But I'm I'm actually going to be in New Orleans. Plug their show, November 18th, House of Blues, Zebra. I'll be there guy gelso is also a jazz drummer uh came from a jazz background and 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 i said to to randy i said jazz drummers make the best metal drummers you know um
0: they got feel um that's why it works uh, in an odd way he's into a lot of other stuff so he incorporates that into our music and um jazz is one of them um He's really big on the Melvins, so mm. a lot of his drum style is is similar to Dale Crover when we're doing heavy slow stuff. Mm-hmm. And he hits the fucking hell out of the drums. He's loud. Might not look like it, but he's loud.
1: <laughs> that's that's what Randy Jackson said about Guy also. He's just loud. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I I I got turned on to brutal truth and death metal, and then Ben and Todd actually were playing a show together. It was Flesh Parade and Paralysis sometime in nineteen ninety two. I don't remember. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want to see this live. You know, I want to see this brutal truth sound, and I want to see guys do it live. So this was my first time. To, you know, I had a flyer. Paralysis, flush Parade. Um, so I I went to it by myself. I remember driving my 79 Chevrolet Nova to the show. It was somewhere in, in, in New Orleans, I don't know where, probably, you know, somewhere scary. And um, I remember seeing it, and I remember um Jason and his vocals, and I was just mesmerized. I was like, wow, that is freaking awesome, you know. Yeah, and, and um just the lows and the highs and 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 the the repetitiveness uh well not the repetitiveness but the it's almost a tempo that goes along with some of the guitars and the drums so we have grindcore, right i had a grindcore like vhs tape it was called like i don't know i metal something and it was like grindcore or special or whatever and it had bolt thrower on it it had napalm death on it it had uh it was like a documentary and it did have earache all over it. Um, it was interviewing the founder of Earache and what he saw in these bands. And it had like Paradise Lost on it, though, which wasn't an earache band. So I, I don't know, but um, I, I'll put it on the screen. I'll find it. I've seen it. And yeah. Napalm Death was on it. And it was around, I, I think, Utopia Banished or stuff, you know, Suffer the Children era. But um, so yeah, I think it's safe to say Napalm Death kind of started. From one way or the other grind core and i think enslavement to obliteration is probably to me where it really came together i know people reference scum for sure which <laughs> yeah. also had justin broderick on her from Godflesh. yeah um, yeah
0: i love that one too like for me scum from enslavement and peel sessions are the ones that i love and then uh, of course uh there's some stuff you know beyond that that i really like a lot too um Utopia Banish has a lot of good songs on it. And Harmony uh, Corruption actually was was really big on me because it's a little more death metal
1: mm-hmm. yep. sound. Yep. You
0: know, it's, it's got grind in it, but it definitely incorporates a little bit more of that death metal sound. And then Utopia Banish went towards the grind sound.
1: Which yeah. Was,
0: um, and a lot of their new stuff, man, they're, they're really good. Like, they're just oh, yeah. banging it out, you know? But yeah, if I had to pick three out of their immense catalog, those first three are the ones that influence me the most.
1: Yeah, um, I I, as far as Napalm Death goes, um, I, I would say Cannibal Corpse is up there, you know. I, I Oh, what, yeah. So I, I, I before I bring them up, um, Napalm Death, I want to talk a little bit more about Napalm Death. Yeah, I mean, they've been consistently putting out records since, you know, late 80s and never stopped, you know. I mean, I don't know what they're up to now. Twenty records at this point, probably. Um, yeah, it's a lot, and they and, tour like crazy. Oh, I know. And you're not going to find many people that say, "Oh, they suck." You know, their later records suck. All their records are good. Um, and 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 they put a lot of effort into it. I I was a fan. I, I've always noticed. That I and it could just be my background and where I came through. You know, Pantera, Thrash, um, uh, Faith No More, right. stuff like that. I love but it. Yeah, um, yeah, I do want to talk about this record, um, Angel Dust. Um, but like, I like the Napalm Death, the groove metal, the groovy Napalm Death mid 90s stuff that no one that when Machine Head came out and a lot of people didn't like that stuff, I love that stuff. (laughs) But like, um, uh, which ones are there? Diatribes, and then there was, um, Words from the Exit Wound, and
0: yeah, they were kind of going a little more commercial with those.
1: Yeah, and, we say commercial, but it's still heavy as fuck, man. I mean, oh, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean,
0: you know, that's the stuff that would get more plays on things like MTV and, and, and you know, yeah. at the time, because that, that was, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was. And that's what I was going to bring up Death. Like, because Headbangers Ball would every now and then throw in a death metal see, uh, video or something close. And I remember seeing Death for the first time. It was The Philosopher. Remember that video and song?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the human man. Like that record is great. Like mm-hmm. so, so many melodies and just the performance overall. Uh, yeah. Drums are insane. The bass, you know, yeah. is insane, and all the riffs that you know they play are awesome. You know, it's it's just yeah. like from start to finish, really good
1: what's amazing to me is though is like like i was just mentioning my tastes is that you guys like you ben todd you guys were onto this shit way before i was and a lot of people were because y'all were recording it in the early 90s not long after the term was coined you know i mean that's impressive i mean that is the front end right
0: i guess you know they um they, they were doing stuff in the 80s uh like scum and and from enslavement that's really old stuff from the 80s
1: yeah but but we say that's old but it's we're only talking what seven years yeah maybe
0: maybe yeah something like that you know fleshbury started in 1990
1: yeah and you know paralysis probably started in 1990 89 you had um I'm just speaking from a death metal standpoint, a grindcore standpoint, but um, I mean y'all weren't far behind, um, which is, that's always impressed me too because um, it's still popular today. I mean, the Flesh Parade Facebook page. I mean, I just found it, came across it. I, you know, I sent a picture. You you retweeted it, or re- reposted it, and um, man, I was just getting more likes than anything I could create on my own. Oh I put, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I put pictures on Facebook, this channel. I mean. It's doing yeah. okay, but it never gets a response of, of like that, you know. So there's there's um some people that really I, I I feel like what makes y'all different um is the swampy, slower parts. And that's what I said I liked about um real truth, you know, and I think i think there's just something about new orleans new orleans metal and the swamps and then the water and the dixie beer. there's just something that gives it a swagger that you have to live in to to know what it is and know what it feels like and people out metal has outside new orleans can appreciate it yeah um more so than people who are living in it because they don't know it (laughs) you know it's like
0: yeah it's got a southern um you know bluesy style to it sometimes
1: the other thing i want to talk about is the tongue-in-cheek aspect of it you know and that's what appealed to me um because (laughs) i moved to memphis after that show i literally transferred from the university of new orleans to to the university of memphis and that flesh parade paralysis show was the last thing i did in new Orleans before i woke up the next morning i moved and i never came back to new Orleans. well to visit so then I picked up where I left off with no friends. I didn't know anybody, and then I had to see what local death metal bands were around here. And I saw a band called um, Purgatory. They were a Memphis death metal band. I would say more death metal, less grindcore. But uh-huh. what I liked about it—have you heard of Purgatory by any chance from Memphis?
0: Yeah, I believe so. I don't okay. think I've listened to them though.
1: They—they turned into a band. They weren't a lot. There were there were early nineties, but then they spun off into a band called Incineration which is a death metal band from Memphis. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, we played with those guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're still playing today.
0: uh, At the high tone. That's right. I have the flyer hanging up next to me.
1: Damn, man. I didn't know y'all played at the high tone. What year was that?
0: Uh, It was 2011. That that show was uh, July 23rd, 2011, because we did a little mini tour, and we went through there up to Chicago and played a festival and then came back down um but yeah yeah it was incineration and cremains was the other one that mm-hmm. and i thought they were all great like
1: yeah, yeah yeah i mean incineration was like you guys they just been doing it in memphis you know i mean just been at it literally three 30 years plus um they yeah. have not changed their sound instead of being you know we're in our instead of being in our late 40s early 50s we're we were in our late teens early 20s you know but the sound yeah, is yeah. the same it's 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 great. So that's cool. Yeah. So I came here, um. But so then I, I there was this was still when records were really big and CD stores were really big and it was this really big place here in Memphis called oh, yeah. Planet, Planet Music. Um, and you can actually go in. They had these CD stations. You could they'd open it up for you. you could go sit down, and listen to it, and bring it. and They'd reseal it and put it back on the floor, so you can listen yeah, to stuff.
0: Used, yeah, they used to have that uh, here too.
1: Yeah, it was great. So I remember buying this there. So this came out in, uh, 98 and, um, so this was, you know, a good six, five or six years removed from when I saw y'all live. Um, but I was like, oh yeah, I remember them. I got to get that. So I got it. Um, and the tongue in cheek, that's the tide. This is classic, right? Kill Whitey, you know, the imagery, Like everyone, you got to realize everyone at this time had an indecipherable logo, much like Brutal Truth, that you could barely see. Like there was a blueprint. This is death metal. And and the blueprint is everything looks like this, sounds like this. This is Grindcore. Nope. (laughs) And then you got block fucking Helvetica, you know? (laughs) I'm like I like that, you know. Um, and I do remember seeing y'all, and just y'all just look. This is another reason I like Grindcore is, an in, in Incineration and Purgatory. When I saw Purgatory for the first time, which once again became Incineration, it was dudes wearing their Fruit of a Loom, um, warm up 100 cotton pants, you know, with what with like tennis shoes. It was like no one changed just because we're going on stage. Everyone wore on stage what they're wearing when they woke up that morning and then i like the natural aspect of it i don't like people to take themselves too seriously and i felt like this is a type of music and the tongue-in-cheek and, and what you guys were especially doing with this tongue-in-cheek stuff the names of the songs it doesn't fit grindcore but it's 100 yeah. percent grindcore the way it sounds it's ferocious you look like you want to say something go ahead <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking of like how that got put together. It's bringing back a lot of memories.
1: Good or bad? No, hilarious ones. Okay. Okay. Tell me about it. Like how'd that come about? Um I mean, even the, the, the Microsoft so, <laughs> yeah, paint, like <laughs> I just love it. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'll shut up.
0: Yeah, so um Let me think how it all came about. So the cover, the cover Todd found and probably when he was going to school with you and Ben, because he found it uh, in one of his books and we looked it up. I can't remember the name of the tribe, but their whole like purpose is to procreate Hmm. and they wear those big phalluses to show their dominance and how many people they've impregnated. Nice so he thought it was funny to that we use it for the cover um and it it didn't grow on me at first I'm like really we're gonna go this route and uh actually we actually had it on shirts before it became that so I didn't think we were going to use it on a CD but it just kind of you know evolved into the seven inch and then Relapse like the demos, the way they were, and they wanted to put them out with the seven inch on disc, so that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he found that picture, and we had that for the cover. And then everyone started compiling all these just crazy photos. Okay, you, know, you got the guy with, with the gun, the gunman, and it says kill Whitey under him, <laughs> and then you got the uh CD tray with all the uh like Japanese guys and guns and disc which um we use bruce lee on the old demo tapes so we ended up using it on the disc Mm -hmm. and um, we kept that kind of tradition going and uh and in the back you know we needed to come up what we were going to put on the back and we were joking (laughs) around one night and i said uh said why don't we use those pictures you got and i'm not naming which band member did this but that's fine this this person worked in a photo lab at night
1: oh he's old fox photo
0: you used to collect (laughs) those types of photos that you see on there if he saw them because he thought they were funny yeah um so I said, you got all these guys in here, man. You got a fetish or something like. Hold on. um doubt. So and then he's like, but they're funny. Look, and 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 he would pick them up and go. He's saying I'll be with you in a minute. And mm. and it really looked like the dude was saying that. And that's the guy that I used as me on the back of the CD.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean. They dove into to doing all this stuff on the disc and mm-hmm. uh, the bullet holes and all that stuff and and I I was just at this point I said this thing is is so all over the place we might as well just say that we're these guys instead
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, and mind you the name Kill Whitey didn't exist yet mm. this was all being put together quickly and uh, because Relapse wanted to do something and. We ended up picking those four people. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody picked who they wanted to be for the mm-hmm. back photo. And uh I actually have that on my page as me, my back photo.
1: I love it, man. I love yeah. it. I love so
0: it. So I, you know, as it was, I was like, you know, this is borderline offensive guys. Uh, you know, I was the one with that would bring in just like, should we do this, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and, like, it's just funny, man. Nobody's going to give a shit. Yeah. Right. So, we were working on a bunch of songs that aren't on there. And mm. the ti- the active title was Back on the Island in reference to that song, John Simon Island, that we ended up doing on Dirty Sweet. We we already mailed everything in because, you know, we didn't really have email yet going on and We went ahead and sent it in, and then um, one of the members calls me up. I'm not going to mention names. Okay. And goes, "Hey, do we have any uh, time to change the name of the the record?" And I said, "I don't know, man. I already sent everything in, but I'll give him a call." Mm. So I called. um, I called Pellet because he's the guy that actually found us and wanted to bring us into relapse, and. I told him, "Hey, we're gonna change the name," and he goes, um, "He goes, okay, what's it gonna be? We can still change it." And uh, I said, "It's gonna be Kill Whitey," and he goes, "You're fucking kidding me! That's awesome! Like something <laughs> like that." And, yeah. And um, and he just started busting out laughing, like. When he saw those pictures, he said he almost pissed his pants of the pictures on the back.
1: I know, man. That's the funniest part. I mean, yeah. This is why I think why Flash Parade is different. And a lot of New Orleans bands are different. We don't take ourselves too seriously, you know? And, 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 yeah, we weren't. Clearly, when you have a band's name, Flash Parade, which I love the name, by the way, I want to get into that. But, uh, this, this, Humorous work of art here. You're not trying to get to the top of billboard charts, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> no, no, we were surprised it was even in stores. Um, you know, I, I got copies sent to us, but the CD itself, um, mm-hmm. and we didn't see until it was in the store, so I went out mm-hmm. and I bought it off the shelf. There was like where, what, what
1: store, of, uh, what
0: store? Virgin mega store in the quarter
1: okay okay yeah. i remember and, that place um,
0: they had a shitload of them on a the shelf and then you go through the alphabet and there was the backer for it and it, you know it was they had some right there
1: yeah in
0: the shelf so yeah that felt pretty cool to be able to buy your first like cd that gets put out and and then listen to it um mm-hmm. and i didn't know what it was going to look like either because they took some liberties on the art yeah um so and, and and it ended up being cool because we we kind of just used it for merch and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. When I went into the store and I saw it, I laughed. Um, I I think it's offense. It, if you're offended easily and and you don't find racial humor humorous or whatever humorous then you you shouldn't you probably never you shouldn't be listening to grindcore you know what i'm saying yeah. it, it, it's you have to find this you know it's not like this just finds you you know um i took it as a joke right. i thought it was hilarious i you know i'm in it a r- yeah I, i'm in a racial humor um i liked howard stern um i think making fun yeah. of white people is just as funny as making fun of black people or any other nationality or or yeah, you know, yeah. we were
0: targeting our own selves, you know. That 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 artwork didn't go without some people getting pissed off.
1: Pissed oh, tell off. me about it. What happened?
0: I've had I've had some people uh, kind of combat me online about it, and mm. you know, I try to assure them like that's not really how we are. It's just a comedic, you know, layout. That's really what we think of it as. And, yeah, and we're we're targeting our own selves you know so
1: <laughs> yeah
0: you know we're not targeting any other race we want to kill the white people so yeah
1: yeah times um, were a little bit different back then too i you know yeah. back then you, you didn't know that you know 30 years from now this is still going to be around i don't think it's that offensive i i think what saves it is the bat. i mean if you don't think this is funny where you know the pictures y'all use for to, to me that's like okay this is hilarious that's you know i i think that's a dead giveaway (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome that just that that that's uh that you know i've I've had it for so long and and i haven't this is my first time really hearing it from from the horse's mouth so to speak um of how that came about how the artwork came about because i've literally been looking at this thing since i got it (laughs) and i'll throw it in every now and then um and I'm just like, damn, it's just so good. So good. I think it's brilliant. I think that's why. Um, I'm I, I'm not going to say why. I think the sound of the music is what I want to get into, what's on the CD and the sound on it. But sure. I think that's why I feel like this record has still has an allure because more than likely people who have, who bought it were like, this is unique, this is different, this is going to stay in my collection or this is something I need to add to my collection because this is different sound wise all everything we're talking about art wise this is like to me I, you know i have a lot of cds i got prank call cds you know i got all kinds of stuff this is on a yeah. level of a collector's item for me you know just everything about it um uh and i think other people feel the same way obviously that's why we're still talking about it today and it's not just me you know there's there's a lot of people talking about it I want to talk about the sound now. Uh, we did talk about grindcore. We did talk about the swagger and the slower parts. Vocally, um, I'm fascinated with the vocals. And I mentioned seeing that roar, but the highs, the screaming highs, the high pitched shrieks. I started yeah. to hear a little bit of that on this album um, bef- before, oh, yeah. you know, Faith No More um, uh, Angel Dust. You know, I heard what Mike Patton was doing. Yeah, and bringing in, and then I heard Mr. Bungle, um, yeah. particularly the first Mr. Bungle record, um, where he was doing it was it was more right. metal. I don't know; they're both metal, the more metal, but it's different. And I could hear him vocally what he was doing. I'm like, man, he's doing some interesting things with his voice. And then mm-hmm. Flash Parade. I, when I finally got this, I got to hear it. you know, I got to hear it on on a, on a recording like I've never heard it before, and. Mm-hmm um i was like wow that is taking that and running with it i mean that is just basing the style that that high shriekness um it's so powerful i love it and the way jason pilgrim was doing like like da, 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 like following the snare or something it's like ba, 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 ba. The, the breath control just everything about yeah. it and it was so unique no one was doing that i don't think like that well yeah i
0: mean there were other singers that influenced him that did that um yeah he's one of the highest pitch ones and you know there is a good way to do do that scream really mm-hmm. high and there's a bad way um you can hear the difference and yes he hits whatever that pitches that he's hitting every time he goes up there like mm-hmm. he's pretty consistent mm-hmm. um the rhythm that you're talking about that he's doing is um is based on rapping. That's pretty much what he did. Yeah. He said, I'm gonna rap all over this. Love it. And that became his style. Mm-hmm. And um really like he and I began doing all the primary writing. So um that became our our sound together, like the way he sung with what I wrote.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's unique, and and hearing it when in '98 when this came out for the first time, um, it, it it was like grindcore, obviously, but unique grindcore, and 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 it was all of it it was your guitars your guitar tone your riffs but it was also what todd was doing it was also what the bass players doing like you mentioned when you mentioned earlier about the bass and what, what attracted you remind me of geezer butler you know like when i listen to black sabbath i'm listening to geezer's bass riffs as much as i'm listening to the guitars and it's doing a totally different thing sometimes it's great great stuff yeah um
0: yeah I listen to everything. Like I can focus on everything now where, you know, in my early teens, I was just really centered in on the guitars, but then, um, you know, as I got a little older, everything started expanding and, um, my music taste expanded because I was hardcore, just metal for a while. And then, uh, everything else started coming into, uh, into my ear and i started appreciating a lot of other stuff so uh and then just the different stuff that i've learned i've uh i've I've tried to incorporate that into any music that i write so um i I don't sight read but i do know music theory so uh, some stuff goes with that approach uh the flesh parade stuff and some (laughs) stuff really doesn't it's just you know a riff that came out of my head mm-hmm. and i like the way sounded. you know um, but other others um kind of follow certain things that are part of songwriting like actual songwriting steps uh you listen to any pop song today on the radio they all do pretty much the same exact formula
1: mm-hmm. and
0: every now and then i would throw that into one of our songs
1: yeah yeah that makes sense that definitely makes sense and I try to pick songs that have a little bit of everything that I like. And it's amazing how much you will pack into like a minute and 40, you know, like you're mentioning music theory, formulas, things like that. Sometimes you go and you keep a formula. Sometimes you break away from the formula. Um, yeah.
0: I just go on the feel or the sound, you know,
1: very sweet is, is quintessential flash parade. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's it's literally a continuation of this, and, and that's what's so great about it. But I, I think if I heard any added element, it was a little bit of a doom element.
0: Little, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Little aspects.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, Yeah, some of it's just like the doomy stuff that other bands do in New Orleans that might have influenced me on some of that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, And then I like how you threw another curveball as far as the design it's once again, it's like, you know, a departure, you know, the, the titles of the songs, yeah. the the pink and the yellow, which I love. I love it. I love it. So tell me how that came about. Yeah.
0: So um, Todd was given a drum head by, I think, a neighbor or someone he knew. And it was when we were in our teens. And uh, Todd says yeah look look what i got from my neighbor and he pulls out this drum head and it's got the lady that you see in the star on dirty sweet Mm -hmm. except it's the full deal like all painted on this drum head and it actually said dirty sweet on it (laughs) and uh, todd started using that when we played shows so um it, it became a funny thing with us. Um, some people would introduce us before we started and say, you're about to hear the dirty, sweet sounds of Flesh Parade and shit like that. But when we we started doing the record, we, um, you know, no one wanted to be serious. Um, I kind of wanted to do something different. But then we started talking about that drum head. And I said, dude, why don't we just use the, the drum head as the basis for the whole album. We'll call it Dirty Sweet and we'll theme it like Motley Crue or some shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we all liked that. You know, we thought it was funny. The reason those colors came about is we, um we sent it to a friend of ours to start designing it. Mm-hmm. And he started coming up with, the, you know, all the crazy colors and the pink and yellow kind of stood out and he came up with the star you know mm-hmm. he's like i didn't want to just put her on there because it looked too plain she needed to be in something and we're like okay that's cool mm-hmm. um and um yeah so we went that route and then of course the interior of the disc has some other stuff that was created by another artist in canada that i've known for decades now um and uh, he added you know the rest to it to complete it and make uh make the cover go with the rest of the layout mm-hmm. yeah
1: well i look forward to um buying it uh, i think i think we do need to tell people that that if they like kill whitey they're gonna like this too i mean i'm sure everyone's heard it but um you can still get it i, I went to mainstay recordings website yeah awesome yeah i want to um i, I want to add dirty sweet to my collection and yeah i have an interesting story about that dirty sweet uh, you know i followed you guys on social media whenever i would find you and hmm. um and, and you know i was looking at dirty sweet this week when we talked and talked about doing this this interview and I, I wanted to go back and listen to it and then i saw 2010 and i was like are you fucking kidding me was it 2000 was it 13 fucking years ago
0: yeah time flies man Dude, it's I was ridiculous. like,
1: I, 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 but I remember watching like you guys. I was following you guys or whatever on YouTube. Just had to be early YouTube, um, and you guys were streaming the 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 recording of the record, um, of Dirty Sweet, yeah, in the studio, and yeah, I was, it was watching uh, it.
0: It was between like 2008 and 2010 that we made the record, and we did it for a little bit, you know.
1: Yeah, it was um I mean it was it was before streaming like it is today. I mean, I obviously I do remember breaking up and barely getting to see anything, but the fact that it at that time, let's just say it was 2009, right? I mean, it, you know, it it was difficult to do something live on the internet back then, you know, and uh I I do I was just I I just I, I just being a fan of the sound and the band and I've always been a fan of of anything that documents a recording of an album i'm always been interested in that so i I do remember that making an impression on me and once again i just can't believe that was almost 15 years ago um it's crazy man it's just absolutely crazy i want to go on a spiel about like when we started when we're talking flesh parades origins early 90s and what i saw and 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 the vocals um the high shriekness where i wanted to go with that was i think when i saw it sort of become i don't want to use the term mainstream but but suicide silence that band mitch lucker i feel i feel like he was influenced by flesh parade maybe flesh parade i don't know i don't know if that's on record but Grindcore, I think he where I feel you know there's some black metal elements from Norway in the high shrieking vocals, but somewhere along the line he heard it. He's younger than we are. Suicide Silence brought it in death grunt death growls with with high pitched shrieks, and and then Suicide Silence was really big, right? And then a lot of bands sprung yeah. forth from that. And then you had what I guess was called metalcore. Would you agree with that? What was that what sort of Yeah, was?
0: I mean, I've I've heard that term. Um, really, I don't get into all those new um, terms. You sure. know, I hear a lot of new metal and whatever catches my ear, I mm-hmm. listen to it if I if I like it. Uh, sure. But a lot of the new metal stuff um, doesn't really grab my ear like it like it should. You know what I mean? Um,
1: uh, but yeah, there's
0: uh, there's great bands in between that just you know they're amazing they grab your ear no matter who
1: they are sure yeah the reason i'm bringing it up is because it feels like you know you know suicide silence 2010 2015 was a lot of bands or i feel like were exposed to grindcore and started bringing that sound and it and it got to a high level. And then it started sort of a, a genre within a genre. Now, I've been getting into, like, through my YouTube algorithm, like, I've noticed now there are, like, genres of grindcore. There's porno grind. There's... Oh, yeah. Gore grind. Horror grind. Cyber grind. There's all these different grinds, right? Um, yeah. Like, there's one band I really like called Gutalax. They're from the Czech... They sing about shit. Everything's (laughs) about shit. It's it's all tongue-in-cheek. That's the thing, though. It's all tongue-in-cheek. Clearly, the names of the songs, the logo. It's just so offensive. But there's a grindcore sound. Like, if you forget all that and you just listen to it, I'm like, this sound is what I like. I like this. And then I'm like, this is Flash Parade. This is what Flash Parade was doing in 1995, 94, 93 you know mm-hmm. people will say carcass you know early carcass is the start of gore grind but i i you know do you see Probably. where i'm going with that yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, sh- and i
0: love carcass too
1: yeah yeah but the vocals especially the the shrieking vocals and stuff i'm like man that's why i respect you guys a lot to to, to be on the forefront of something I man you and Todd and Ben, you guys were doing stuff 30 years ago that that people respect now and that are are doing elements of it in their music today um all around yeah. the world you know so i I want to give you props for that and that's really a big reason I want to interview you because of that you know it's just amazing man.
0: appreciate it.
1: All right well, we'll be in touch. thanks again.
0: All right thanks for having
1: me on All right take care you too.